Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast of Bridgepoint Church. Stay tuned after the podcast for a short message, but for now, let's jump right in. How are we doing this morning? You all excited to be here? Awesome. I love it. The energy, the first service, we had a little bit of a miscommunication. I said, how's everybody doing? And I, they thought I was going to keep on speaking, but, I, but so it's just this awkward silence right out the gate. So I love the energy this morning. But uh, my name is Keith. Uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'd love to be able to talk with you after service. Uh, I serve as the student pastor uh, here at Bridgepoint. And I'm just so glad um, to be able to share with you God's word this morning. But before we go any further, I would just love the opportunity to honor our pastors, Matt and Bethany. They do so much for this church behind the scenes, blood, sweat, and tears that we don't see, and they love us so much. So can we put our hands together and honor them this morning? They're probably watching online. We love you. So we're in this series. It concludes today. Everybody say, oh, man. Yeah, so I get to end the series for us, but it's called Around the Table. And so in this series, we've looked at, in the Gospel of Luke, these different meals that Jesus would have with people. And one scholar would say that Jesus was either headed to a meal, at a meal, or leaving a meal. Now, I love this about our God, that he loves to eat. Can I get an amen, anybody out there? Now, they'd have to walk everywhere, so I don't know if I like the exercise part, but I like the good old eating part. Now, I love some good food. And so um, it was quite funny. This week, I was looking at an article um, at this guy who owned restaurants, okay? And so he'd get to spend a lot of time with people and the customers that'd be there eating. And he had a list of like 15 different types of people that you would encounter at a restaurant. And so I thought these were kind of hilarious, and I picked a couple off the list. And I was like, man, I wonder if this could be any of us in the room today. So one of them was the etiquette violator. All right, now this person, they're eating with their mouth open. They got their elbows on the table. They're doing everything that you're not supposed to do at a table. Um, kind of sounds like my kids, everybody. Like they're throwing stuff across the table. Anybody in here have kids? Know what I'm talking about? Just sit down and eat, okay? Thank you. Another one I thought was quite funny was the, uh, what was it, the picky eater. Now, this person, they're just so meticulous on what they're going to eat. And they'll order a cheeseburger just to take the tomato, tomatoes off and eat only the tomatoes. I don't understand these people. But just so picky people. We got any picky eaters in the room? Anybody, all right? You got your spouse, maybe? Anyone? Okay. All right, got some picky eaters. Another one um, was, what was the other one? The other one was the, um, oh, the interviewer. So this person, they're going to sit there and ask a thousand questions about the menu. Uh, is this fish, where's this fish from? Like, how is this cooked? What degree is this cooked? Like, where did y'all get the bread at? Is this vegan bread, non-vegan bread? Is this wheat bread, whole bread? So this person is going to ask a thousand questions, all right? And then the last one that I thought was kind of funny was the photo enthusiast. So this person, they get out of the car, and the first thing they do, psh, take a picture of the restaurant. And then they get in there with their friends and they say, selfie, you know, take a selfie with the friends at the table. And then they get their plate of food and they have to take a selfie with their food. And then after they eat their food, they got to take a picture of the plate so they could post it on social media. And so you got to love the photo enthusiasts. All right. So maybe we can relate to some of those. Maybe, you know, some of those this morning. But I, I love this idea of uh, there's these all different types of people at a table. And I don't know about you, but for me, um, me and my wife, we've had the opportunity, you know, being in ministry, we get to eat a lot of meals with a lot of different people over the years, if it's family, extended family, friends. And to be honest with you, at some of these meals, 
I'll be looking across the table like, what is the relationship here? Like, are we just, are we friends? Are we buddies? Are we acquaintances? Are we professional coworkers? What is the relationship here? And maybe we all can relate to that. Maybe, you know, you're sitting at work at a dinner and you're like, man, does my coworkers, are we even really friends? And sometimes it can be hard to define the relationships in our life, okay? But, man, I love what this one a famous philosopher said when it came to relationships. Uh, she, she doesn't believe that it's that complicated. Um, her name is Katy Perry, all right? And she says that it's hot or cold, it's yes or no, it's in or out, it's black and white. And so, of course, thank you, Katy Perry, for that, that wise words. But for her, she was saying, hey, listen, it's either we're, we're together or we're not together. Hey, we're friends or we're not friends. And one of the ways that you would have this discussion is called the good old DTR talk. Everybody say the DTR. All right. Now, I remember back in middle school and high school, you know, I'll be kind of, you know, there might be a girl I'll be interested in. And so, you know, we start walking down the hall together. I might drop a little, a little note in her locker. And, you know, in class, I kind of sit next to her and, hey, and there'd be lunchtime. You know, I'd save her a little seat at lunch. And then PE, you know, we'd be doing the little games together at PE. By the way, who in here is so glad we don't got PE anymore? You graduated out of that. Can we get an amen for that? No more stinkiness, awkwardness when it comes to PE. But eventually, you know, a friend would say, hey, I see you and Sally over there. So what's y'all's uh, relationship? What's the status? What are y'all? And so I would have to go and call Sally on the phone back then. By the way, young people, there was a phone that had a cord to it that you'd push in the numbers, all right? And I'd have to have this talk with Sally. It's called the DTR. And I'd say, Sally, what are we? People are asking, I need to know. Are we just friends? Are we hanging out? Are we exclusive? Are we boyfriend and girlfriend? You know, when you're in sixth grade, the question comes up, are we gonna get married one day? Like, you gotta know these details. All right, and we'd have this DTR talk, define the relationship. But let me tell you why it's so important to define relationships this morning. Because you need to know the boundaries. You need to know the expectations. You need to know what's appropriate, not appropriate. And, and, and especially when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, right? Like we need to know where we stand with Jesus. We need to be able to define our relationship with Jesus this morning. And I'm intrigued by Jesus' ministry because oftentimes there's all these groups of people all different types of people that'd be around Jesus. You'd have some that was interested in him, some that weren't interested, some that loved him, some that hated him. And oftentimes, Jesus would have to have this DTR talk, define the relationship talk with people. Because people will say, hey, I'm interested in being your follower. Hey, I wanna follow you, Jesus. And he'd have to sit there and say, hold up now, wait a second. Do you really know what it means to be a follower of mine? To deny yourself, to pick up your cross and follow me daily? We see example of this, for example, when Jesus is sharing, there's all these people listening to him talk and they're probably excited, like, oh, this is Jesus. I've been waiting all year for him to talk. And then all of a sudden, Jesus starts to say stuff like, eat my flesh. If you wanna be my follower, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And everybody's like, oh, hold up now. Okay, now, there would've been a, a referee, he would've thrown a, a flag and said, all right, that's totally inappropriate. And people say, hold up, Jesus, I can't do all that now. What was Jesus doing? He was saying, hey, look, this is what it means to be 
a follower of mine, or I think about Peter, he would ask Peter, Peter, who do you say that I am? What's he doing there? He's, he's defining the relationship, saying, look, this is what it looks like to be a follower. And so for Jesus in his ministry, there was always lots of people, and he knew that some would be followers, but a lot of them would just be fans. They would just be fans. And if there was ever a time to push them to say, hey, come follow me, they would say, oh, hold up. I just like being in the bleachers, Jesus. I just like it up here. I like the view from up here. And that's what I want us to focus on today. Are we being followers or are we being fans of Jesus? I want us to take some time this morning to look at, to define where do we stand with Jesus? Because to be honest with you, man, it could get blurry. It could be, you could think you're following Jesus, but you're really just a fan of him. And so I want us to look at this story in Luke chapter seven. If you got your Bibles, you can open up to, to uh, Luke chapter seven. We're gonna pick up in verse 44. But to, to give some recap to this story, to walk us through it, um, you gotta understand that Jesus is invited to this party, okay? And there's this guy named Simon who is hosting the party. And so he was a Pharisee uh, back in that time period. So he had been kind of like the pastor, all right? And so he says, hey, Jesus, will you come over to my house? We're having this party to get this get together. And so Jesus like, yeah, I'll come hang out. And so they're there at this party, eating, having a good time. And then all of a sudden, this lady comes in, and she's weeping and crying, and she goes up to Jesus and, and, and kneels down at Jesus' feet and lets her hair down and starts kissing his feet and then washing his feet. And it says that she has this jar of alabaster, an alabaster jar full of perfume, and she anoints Jesus' feet with it. And then Simon's sitting there like, oh, boy. If this guy was a man of God, if this guy was a prophet, this Jesus guy, if he was a real prophet, if he was a real man of God, he wouldn't let this prostitute, this sinner touch him. What is he doing? Simon's sitting there freaking out. What is this guy doing? And Jesus is sitting there reading his thoughts. <laughs> That's kind of weird, isn't it? Like reading his thoughts. And Jesus says, hey, Simon, can I ask you a question? By the way, I don't know, I'd probably freak out if Jesus said, Keith, can I ask you a question? I'm like, oh, goodness, what am I thinking right now? What are my thoughts? But he asked Simon, hey, can I ask you a question? And Simon's like, yeah, what's going on? Tells, Jesus tells him this story. He says, there's these two guys that owe money to this dude, all right? One guy owes, let's say, a million dollars. And the other guy owes a hundred dollars. And the guy forgives both of their debts. Who would you say, Simon, is the most thankful who, who do you think would love the guy more? And Simon says, well, hmm, probably the guy that was forgiven the million dollars. He'd probably love the guy a whole lot because that's a lot of money. And that's where we pick up in Luke chapter seven, verse 44. Jesus goes on to say, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. In verse 47, I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown, she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. 
Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. (laughs) Wow. So Jesus kind of calls Peter out. I mean, calls Simon out. Says, hey, listen, when I got here, I showed up to the party. I didn't get anything. You you just straight up ignored me when I got to the party. But this lady, who's this great sinner, she comes in here and she blesses me. She shows me great love. Now, I want to give some context to this story here because it's quite powerful. In that time period, when you show up to a party, you'd be greeted with a kiss, all right? Now, could you imagine if you come over to my house and I gave you a kiss? You'd be like, okay, hold up, Keith. We gotta have a DTR talk here. Like, that's kind of weird and awkward. You'd probably never come to my house again, everybody, if, you, if I just gave you a kiss. But this was the norm, all right? And so if you were a higher social ranking in that time period, you'd be greeted with a kiss on your hand, all right? Now, if you were just co-equal social rankings, just like a peer, so to speak, uh, you'd be greeted with a kiss on the cheek. And if you were, didn't really have too much standing, like lower standing in society, you would not get any greeting at all. And so could you imagine you come to my house and the door just flings open and you just hear a voice, come on inside. There's no high five, fist bump, or COVID elbow. It's just, come on inside. You're just straight up ignored. So after the kissing part, uh, let's see, they would do the foot washing. So what is the significance of the foot washing? Well, you see back then when they would eat dinner, they'd be laying down, laying down most likely, or the table would be kind of low to the ground. And so, of course, you wouldn't want to be eating your chicken wings with someone's nasty, dirty feet all up in your face. Like, ugh, you didn't want that. So they'd have to wash feet. Now, once again, if you were somebody that was, had a higher social ranking, the host himself would take the time to wash your feet, okay? If you had equal status, they would have their servant wash your feet. But if you were kind of a nobody, they would just leave a little bowl of water there so you could wash your own feet. By the way, can I throw in a little nugget real quick? That's not in my notes. I love the fact that Jesus says, you didn't even give me a bowl of water to wash my feet. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm humble enough. I don't need you to wash my feet. I can wash my own feet because I didn't come here to be served. I came here to serve. Is anyone thankful that we serve a God this morning who came to serve and lay his life down and he's a humble God this morning? Amen. Come on, let's give, our, let's, let's give him a hand of a clap of praise for that. I love that. He says, listen, I would have washed my own feet if you would have gave me the bowl of water. And I just think that just shows so much humility in our God. And so we move on to this whole thing of anointing with oil. So, you know, you've been kissed, you had your feet washed, and then you'd have been anointed with oil. It wasn't nothing expensive or crazy, but it would have cost a little bit of something that the olive oil would have. And so it'd just been like a gift. And so if you came to my house and you left, I'd give you some type of maybe leftovers, or I I love giving out books, so maybe you left my house with a book. So it was just a gift, all right? And so Jesus calls Simon out and says, listen, you did not do any of that for me. You did no kissing, no washing of feet, no anointing me with oil. You just ignored me. But yet here comes this lady. She comes into the party, and she's weeping. And she's at Jesus' feet, and Jesus' feet are dirty from the travel that day. And as the tears start to hit Jesus' feet, starts to turn into mud. And in that time period, it would have been inappropriate for her 
to ask for a towel. So what does she do? She, and by the way, she's kissing his feet, not his hand, not his cheek, but his feet, showing the utmost honor and respect for Jesus. His feet are now muddy, so she lets her hair down and starts to wash Jesus' feet. This is significant. And you would have heard an audible gasp. Everybody would have went, oh, what is she doing? It would have been all over social media. <laughs> because in that time period, a woman would not let her hair down unless it was with her husband. And you surely would not do that around a group of men. Like That would have been like a big no-no. And it was also to be said that the, the, the woman's hair was considered her, the most beautiful part of who she was. So we see this woman here washing Jesus' feet with her hair, and then she takes this alabaster jar, and it says expensive perfume. And some scholars believe that if she was a woman of the city, like the Bible says, that maybe her profession was a prostitute, so maybe uh, this perfume, she used it to, in her profession to attract men, but yet here she is giving it all, this very expensive gift to Jesus. Such a beautiful story, is it not? So this morning we're talking about, we gotta define our relationship. Are we a follower this morning or are we a fan? And there's three distinctions that I pull out of this story um, and I wanna kind of compare and contrast. The first one that I see here, if you're taking notes, is a follower finds their identity in Jesus, but a fan finds their identity in others. <laughs> now you gotta imagine this is a little intimidating for this lady to walk up in there in a room full of religious people they used to hate on her, ridicule her, and mock her, but she didn't care because she knew what Jesus thought about her. And at the end of the day, that is all that mattered is that she knew that her identity was found in Christ and Christ alone. She knew that her value was found in him and him alone. And that's what we need to be as followers is where we get our identity from him. We don't get our identity from culture, from people. We get it from Christ and Christ alone. But yet, this fan, this Simon, he, he was consumed with what other people thought. Because don't miss this. He would have got a gold star on his, on his little chart for having Jesus over, because Jesus was a respected teacher. So it was actually beneficial for Simon to have him over at his house. Don't miss this. But Simon would not kiss him, give him a kiss to show, who, to show Jesus who he really was, he would not wash his feet, and he would not even give him some Costco olive oil to anoint him with. Why is that? Because he didn't want to step over that boundary of being a follower. He was consumed with, well, what if the other religious leaders think I'm following Jesus? Uh, that, that's going to hurt my standing in the Pharisee community. So here's my question for you this morning. Do you find your identity in Jesus? Do you find your value in Jesus do you find your worth in Jesus this morning or do you find your identity in people? Do you find your identity in your job, in your friends? What, what, do you, what are we finding our identity in this morning? Because for Simon, boy, he was consumed with what other people thought. His identity was found in his status. And I'll tell you right now, 
we're gonna be followers of Jesus in this place. We gotta get over what people think. We gotta get over what culture thinks. We gotta be willing to say, hey, I know Jesus. I've experienced Jesus. I've experienced his love, his mercy, his forgiveness. And I don't care if I look like a fool because I know him and more than that, he knows me and I know what he thinks about me. So it don't matter what you think about me. We need to be some followers this morning that know our identity in Jesus. Can I get an amen, somebody? Whew. All right, now next thing is a follower loves Jesus, but a fan loves themselves. For Simon, <laughs> he loved himself. So of course, if Jesus being at his house would have helped his reputation, well, of course he's gonna have him over because he's selfish and it's all about him. But this lady, she comes in and she's expressing her love for Jesus. She's weeping. She's there to serve. She's washing his feet. She has a gift for him. Here's a question. Are we serving Jesus? Are we serving ourselves? I could imagine in my marriage, uh, by the way, hey, babe, how are you doing? I haven't seen you this morning. It's good to see you. Um, it's my wife, by the way, everybody. Can we give it up for her sitting on the front row? I love you. I couldn't imagine, um, like, at my wedding day, at my altar, or the altar, whatever it's called, um, you know, we're sitting there holding hands. We're like, oh, Boo Bear, I love you. I'm going to serve you till death do we part, and all the good little sweet vows. Like, I love you so much. But then the rest of my life, I'm going to love me. I'm going to live for me. I'm going to make decisions based upon what I want. That sounds crazy, right? But we do that with our relationship with Jesus. We, we, we pray the prayer once. We say, oh, Jesus, I give you my life. I love you. But for the rest of my life, I'm gonna make decisions based upon what I want. I'm gonna choose what I wanna do. I'm gonna choose how much I want to, to serve. And I'm gonna choose how much I want to give. And ultimately, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves loving ourselves more then we love Jesus. So I want us to wrestle with that question. Do you love yourself more than you love Jesus? I'm not saying that you don't struggle with it because I struggle with selfishness, but do, genuinely, do you worship yourself more than you worship Jesus? If that's the case, you might find yourself being a fan this morning. The last thing that we see here in this story is a follower gives it all to Jesus versus a fan who gives some to Jesus. Now, Simon here, don't forget, it cost him something to have Jesus over for a meal, to have him in his home. So it wasn't like he was just completely, didn't do anything for Jesus. But isn't that how a fan is? Where we could just give a little bit. We buy the ticket. We stand in the line. We show up to the game. But boy, if it came time to get in the game, oh, hold up now. I don't know if I signed up for all that. A fan can just give a little bit. But this lady shows us what a follower does. She gave him her sin, her past, her future. Like she literally, like think about it. If she was a prostitute and she made money from that expensive jar of perfume, she literally gave her her future. Like this lady gave Jesus everything, not just a little bit, but everything. There was no turning back. There was no going back to the old way of life of th how things used to be. It was this radical moment of saying, Jesus, you can have it all. You can have my mind. You can have my heart. You can have my soul. You can have my strength. You can have my job. Anything you want, Jesus, it's yours. Whew. But I tell you, my concern is 
Can I just be a little honest with you this morning? Of, I feel like sometimes in the American church, we've kind of put it down to this right here where we just give Jesus a little bit. And we'll give him our Sunday mornings and we think that's enough. Is it, could it be that fan mentality of, hey, you know what, Jesus, you could just have this little, you can have a little bit of my time, but don't ask for any of this of my other time over here. You can have a little bit of my money, but don't ask for any of this over here. It's dangerous because Jesus wants it all. He wants it all. Now you can look at me this morning and say, Keith, that seems kind of radical or kind of cultish that, well, I mean, Jesus wants it all. He wants it all, everybody. You know why? Because this is not a message of condemnation, by the way. This is a message of love. Because he loves you. He loves you this morning. And he wants to be in a relationship with you this morning. And in any relationship, there has to be both parties giving it all. Well, I don't want to be in a marriage. Hey, I could you imagine my wife, Sarah, or, or for me, if I just gave Sarah 10% of me, that's not a marriage you'd want to be in. And so we see here, Jesus, I love this, y'all. Think about this. Jesus would never ask us to do something that he would not do himself. Let me put it even a step further. Jesus would not ask us to do something that he's not already done himself. So Jesus, he says, hey, give it all to me. Give me your life. But you know what's so beautiful? He gave you his life when you didn't deserve it. He would die for you. He would take your place. He would pay for your sin. By the way, he didn't do it because he had to. He did it because he wanted to. He did it because he loves you. I don't know what your church background is, but you need to hear this. He loves you. And he wants that relationship with you this morning. And he's not looking for a bunch of good robots like, yes, I am perfect. Yes, I am great. You know, he's not looking for these little robots who are perfect. He's looking for this relationship where both parties are given it all. Because he knows that that's where the fulfillment is. That's where the passion is. And so Jesus is calling us today. Say, hey, where are you at this morning? Where do you stand this morning? Do you find your identity in Jesus? Do you find your worth in him? Do you find your value in him this morning? Or do you find your value and your worth in the things of this world? This morning, do we love ourselves more than we love Jesus? And last, are we giving him just a little bit or are we giving it all to him? So we're gonna go into this time of reflection, of communion. There'll be stations set up. Boy, as we, let, let's just have a holy moment here at the end of this service. As you go to take communion, let it be a, a reminder of the price that was paid, his body that was broken for you, his blood that was poured out for you. What's gonna be your response this morning to that? Our prayer is that we would, no matter where you're at on the spectrum, maybe you come in here, you don't believe, maybe believe just a little bit, maybe you've been going to church your whole life, my prayer for everybody in here is that we would take that step of saying, Jesus, you can have it all. I wanna be a follower this morning. You can have it all. So let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you that you gave it all for us, that you didn't hold back, 
and that you love us so much this morning. And I just think about the person in here that feels like that lady. They feel like they've messed up. They've gone too far. What they did this weekend or what they did years ago, they feel like, man, there's no way God could forgive me. I feel, I just pray for the one that feels far from you right now. I just pray in this moment that they would feel your touch. They would just feel your love. It's not that you're reaching out. You've already reached out. It's not that you're calling, you've already called. You're called all of us in this moment back to you. Let us surrender in this moment, no matter where you're at in this journey. I just pray right now, you just give it all to him. That burden that you're carrying, that sin that you're carrying, that unbelief that you're carrying. Pray in this next couple moments of reflection, we would give it all to the one who gave it all for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to the Bridgepoint Church Podcast. I hope we've shared something meaningful for you wherever you're at in your spiritual journey. Just so you know a little bit more about us, we meet on Sunday mornings in downtown Woodstock, but we also meet during the week in what we call life groups, and that's where the really good stuff happens for us. If you're becoming a regular listener of this podcast, we'd like to invite you to make it relational, just like we do during the week. Grab a Bible, invite some friends to join you, and turn this into a conversation. If you're already a regular listener and would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting us online at bpc.life and choosing the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for listening.